Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode today. I am joined, uh, this is kind of an unusual situation, first of all, with two lovely ladies who are not photographers, which is a bit unusual for the show. Not only that, but to, to, to actually have two guests at one time is a bit unusual for us too. So it's a privilege. And um, we're going to be digging into a really interesting topic with Courtney Wolf and Julie Bunkley today. Thank you all both for making time for the Boca Podcast. Well, thank you for having us on. Yes, thank you. And and for everybody listening in, tell tell us, just shout out your name so they know whose voice belongs to who. Courtney, can you just say hello? Hi, everybody. <laughs> perfect. And Julie? <laughs> hey, this is Julie. All right, perfect. I, I wish we could do an interview like this in person because um, we were actually having to work through a bunch of logistics in order to, to make the audio work, but I think we're in a good place now. And we're just going to jump right into this this outline and ultimately into a, a topic today, which we really haven't covered on the show to date in 300 plus episodes, which is how to do business with high-end planners. You know, we've talked countlessly on the show, or, or just endlessly, I should say, uh, countless times about the significance of a wedding photographer doing business with a coordinator. I had an incredible experience with a, a coordinator here in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area that brought us a, a significant amount of business. Uh, but when we when we get into the topic of high end weddings, it, it it gets a little sticky in some ways, um, and I. I really welcome the opportunity to have both your all's perspectives on the topic, not only what high-end means, but ultimately how to connect with a high-end coordinator for the sake of connecting with high-end clients as well. So we're going to get into that in more detail in just a little bit. As we normally do, though, uh, we start off the conversation with brand position. And the two of you run a business. Maybe you can just briefly introduce the business first, and then we'll get into this topic of brand position. Courtney, can you just introduce your brand to us? So yeah, Envision Events is a boutique design and planning firm. We primarily do weddings, although here or there, we've been known to mix in an exciting corporate event. Um, Julie founded the business over 13 years ago, and then I joined her about seven years ago. And we serve a high-end, refined, and tailored clientele pretty much anywhere that they'll take us. Um, we are based in Birmingham, Alabama. That's where we sleep and where our computers and desks are. But <laughs> as Julie can tell you, we will travel anywhere. And uh, Julie, what percentage of your weddings that you're coordinating or planning are, are you, or, or what percentage of those are happening out of state, out of Alabama? Well, out of this, I would say maybe 50%, five okay. zero percent But actually, I would say 90% of our weddings are happening outside of the Birmingham area. So we may still be in the state of Alabama, whether it's someone's private property or some of the other locations that Alabama has to offer. But for the most part, 10% of our business actually comes from the Birmingham area. Interesting. Okay. Now I'm, I'm in the Chattanooga area, so I'm only about a couple hours from you all. Um, is the Birmingham market a very big market for weddings or um, I mean, how, how big is Birmingham, first of all? I would call it a medium-sized market. Okay. It, it kind of, it will get overshadowed by larger markets like Atlanta, Nashville, um, those types of spots. But in terms of the quality of professionals that are here, the really kind of Birmingham itself is kind of having a resurgence with the food scene, the art scene. And I think that that will ultimately 
bleed into what's happening with weddings too. So there's a lot of exciting things that are happening. Maybe, like I said, not all, a lot of our weddings are not actually in Birmingham, but we are utilizing what the people that we know very well here, the vendors that we get to work with here. And, and some of our clients may come from Birmingham. They're just not getting married in Birmingham. So I don't know, Courtney, would you agree medium-sized? Yeah, it's a healthy market, um, yeah. but it definitely does get overshadowed by the Nashvilles, the Atlantas, the Dallases, the DCs, you know, things of that size sure. and scale and scope. But it's definitely a very healthy market and it's a great it's a great spot to be based in because we are only a couple hours from Atlanta. We're only a couple hours from Nashville. We're only a couple hours from Mississippi and like literally we service clients in all of those states, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, um, even up into North and South Carolina. And we're kind of centrally located amongst all of those spots. So it, it is nice to be in a central location like that. In, in Chattanooga, we're only a couple hours from Nashville and Atlanta as well. And mm-hmm. it's great for travel. It's, it's great for entertainment. Um, but we've also experienced a similar growth in the last 10 to 15 years or so that you're describing in the food and art scene. And it has turned Chattanooga into a, a pretty cool area. And, and I was looking at the population, actually, as you were talking, Birmingham population as of 2017 is 210,000. And you know, for everybody listening, you might be wondering, well, what's the significance of the population? But when we're, t- when we're looking at this idea of brand position, and we do talk about this a lot on the podcast because it's not discussed much really in business um, a ton uh, or in entrepreneurship a ton um, from what I've seen and certainly not in the photography industry. The question is, what actually sets our businesses apart from the so-called competition, whether we're a photographer mm-hmm. or a coordinator or a videographer or a, a you know, baker, a venue, whatever it is, they're, they're, it's a very noisy market out there because of social mm-hmm. media. And so we have to figure out a way that we are different than anybody else. And right. so when I, when I look at that size of a market, I'm assuming that there are a relatively large number of planners or coordinators, even if they're just doing it on the side part-time. My big question to you all is what sets you apart from another planning company? I think that there's a couple of things that have um, really given us something different. So one thing is I didn't actually start the business in Birmingham. I started it in Auburn, Alabama, which is a small college town, um, actually exactly in the middle between Birmingham and Atlanta. So I would be able to draw from both both of those spots in terms of bringing in new and different things. And so I, I had to think outside, um, not just what was happening within where I was. And then whenever I moved the uh, core business office to Birmingham, I think mentality came with me. So I'm still looking to the outside to bring in as opposed to kind of recycling what has been done in that area a lot. So I think that that has really given us a a different style and a different outlook on what clients can expect from what we do. And the second part to that answer is that Courtney and I have um, structured the business to where all of our full service clients work with us as a team. I head up all of the creative, all the aesthetics, the design components of their wedding, and Courtney heads up their actual planning process. So they get two heads working together on their event. And I don't know that there's a lot of planners in our specific area that are structured the way that we are. Well, there's not. And that's what's so beautiful about what we're doing. Um, At least it's worked very well for us. And the synergy that Julie and I have, like you really can't, that's those types of things can't be taught, right? It's just natural. And it's just something that you have and that we build off of each other and grow off of each other. Right. But not only are they getting the two heads, you know, clients these days can go out and hire a designer, but they're not going to get any operations or logistical management with it. Hmm. Um, You can also go out, a client has the opportunity to hire a planner, but, even when you do that, you're not going to get the creative direction and the Julie literally hand sources every uh, texture, color, layer, fabric, uh, finish, furniture, you know, 
every visual item that you see as part of our events, whether it's the paper or the flooring in the tent. Wow. Those are, those are um, items that she's hand selected and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of brain power to do that and to do that in house and not just farm it out to another company that, that could offer that service to our clients. Um, but in doing that, she's kept her finger and her pulse and her personal style alive through that of our clients. And many, many times potential clients or current clients will mention that they're so drawn to the look and feel of our work and that it feels so different and it feels so fresh. And a lot of that is a result of what Julie has brought to the table. Um, and so as we've structured the business this way, she's able to focus solely on that while I do focus on keeping all the balls in the air and all the appointments scheduled and emails replied to and just some of that day-to-day back and forth. So a couple of things. One, I mean, chemistry between business partners is is really, they could be a couple of podcast episodes probably in and of themselves. <laughs> because there's a lot to unpack there. It, it's incredible yep. that you all have that and that you both have strengths that kind of play off each other. The other, the other thing that you mentioned earlier, Julie, was the significance of not just coming into a market and kind of doing what everybody else is already doing, but seeing what everybody else is doing and doing something different. And this is a significant component of creating a distinct brand position. It's looking at where the market is and then going the other direction, essentially. And, you know, in the photography industry, it happens a lot that photographers see photographers that they admire and they just kind of tend to rinse and repeat to copy and paste. Mm -hmm. And it, it can be a little bit daunting to go the opposite direction to truly do something different. But I think it's all something we need to keep in mind. And again, a world that is extremely noisy on multiple levels. If we're mm -hmm. going to start a new business, we need to look at what's going on in the market currently, and then find a niche that hasn't been filled, um, or look at what the market is doing and go the opposite direction. I think that's the big takeaway from this point in conversation. So I'm really glad that, that you bring that up. And I think too, that not only just finding a niche to serve, but having it be a niche that excites you and that mm -hmm. makes you want to get up and serve your clients every day to the fullest and best of your ability. You know, if that little fire isn't within you um, with what you're doing, then it's never going to work. So I think that's something to consider as well. Well, and Courtney spoke to the significance of you kind of taking your personal style and, and kind of pouring that into the events, which sounds like maybe it is a passion of yours. It is when we think about like actually doing something different, not just what everybody else is doing. It's not, it's not trying to make a point of, oh, look, it's different. You know, it's, it, there's a, there's a weird, you can go too far with it really. It's like, oh, sure. I'm doing, it's just different. So I'm going to do that. Well, as we all know, wedding clients can be a little fickle. Um, so you have to actually find what what you bring to the table that is different and, and relating that to a wedding client that they understand that they can, they can grasp onto. And I think my, so from my personal experience, um, my style, you know, when I looked out at a lot of the weddings that are happening around me, it's a lot of a lot. And in terms of design, so you see, almost over-designed events, weddings, sure. what have you. And so my voice was kind of, I'm going to cut through that. I'm going to be comfortable with not minimalism, but you don't have to have all the things. And I'm <laughs> going to be comfortable with that. Yeah. And I know that there are people out there that are just as comfortable with that as well. However, even, even though you think there's less there, that doesn't mean it costs any less. Actually, more refined events cost more. <laughs> so, sure. The irony. <laughs> yeah. So it does take a little bit of, of guts to kind of put yourself out there of like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hone in on this and I'm gonna do it well and I'm gonna speak it clearly so that people understand it and can relate to it and ultimately hire you to do that for them and not just be another choice amongst all the rest of the same lookalikes. Well, it sounds like you've both learned a lot from doing business. And and again, you, we've touched on topics, multiple topics here that could be their own episode, podcast episodes. 
but I would ask a question that we ask most of our guests actually here on the podcast, and that is, and I'm curious to, to get this from both Courtney, you, Courtney, and Julie as well. What is the biggest lesson that each of you have learned through business ownership? Maybe something that, that stands out that made a big impact on you, maybe something that you learned the hard way. What, what's the lesson that comes to mind? This is Julie. <laughs> I would say I don't it's a lesson that I have to actually keep telling myself over and over is that this is everything you do in business is a long game. You are playing the long game. Um, you I I want to see results of something that I do in my business immediately, but ultimately I know it's there's no way possible. You have to be in it with patience and want to see it through. It could take two years to see results from something that you do today. Um, and you have to be okay with that. And so if you're not, then there's other questions you need to ask um, from there. But that, that's been my, <laughs> just a running theme of like, okay, all right, no. And then for the long haul, okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is something I've been reminded of as of late as well. It, despite the fact that we're in a, a technologically driven world and, you know, technology changes so quickly and it feels like we have to work so hard to keep up at the same time, business really is a long game. And I'm realizing that's still the case, even amidst a technologically savvy and, and changing world. That mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if we're going to build a business that that lasts, there you do have to be patient uh, mm-hmm. and not expect everything to happen yesterday. That that really is such a great reminder. What about yourself, Courtney? I think well, I learn lessons every day in this business, but I think that something I constantly have to remind myself of is that we are in a service based industry, and our job is to serve. It's customer service uh, first and foremost. It is under-promising and over-delivering. I am a type eight on the Enneagram, which I know we could get into that as a whole nother offshoot. But um, one thing that I have a strength in is communicating my thoughts, not necessarily my feelings, but being able to communicate what I think, what my stance is on something. And with that, I'm really great at drawing personal boundaries and, and professional boundaries. But what I have to remind myself is, there's going to have to be some give and take and I'm going to have to be flexible because I am in a customer service based industry where I need to exceed expectations. It's not, it's not so much just to have incredible standards and to have, you know, wonderful service, but to exceed what my client is expecting me to do all while doing that and still running a sustainable and manageable business and not putting myself, you know, driving myself into the ground or approaching burnout um, but really finding that balance between the two. Yeah, it's it's funny how at the end of the day, something as simple as just putting a little bit more effort and energy into it and, and focusing on serving the client, how those mm-hmm. things, as basic as they may seem, can make the biggest difference because it's it's not the norm to go and receive that kind of experience. I'm still amazed when I walk through like the grocery store and go through checkout and I engage with somebody who actually smiles at me and seems like they're actually interested in having a conversation. And if we think about how that 15, 20, 30 second interaction can make such a big impact on our lives, how much more uh, an impact can we make on our client's experience? And then of course, what that can do to translate to the growth in our business, if we just put a little bit of extra effort in. So I I think it's, I think it's a wildfire waiting to explode. And we've tried very hard to pride ourselves on that um, very concierge level of business that or of service that we're able to provide to yeah. our clients and and do exceed their expectations. And in the end, when that produces a very happy and thrilled client, um, word of mouth is going to buzz around. And through the years, that's what's helped grow this business. More than half of our booked business is uh, word of mouth referrals right. that come to us. And so, yeah, exceeding those expectations, it's like dropping gasoline on um, fire and just watching it explode. <laughs> In the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. Yes. <laughs> so uh, transitioning to another question, though, time. I mean, it sounds like you all are... are quite busy. I can, in fact, how many events have you managed in 2019? That's a two-sided question. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Julie herself has been involved in six events this year. Julie only as our creative director, she dedicates herself just to our full service clients. Um, But then myself, this is Courtney. 
I do serve what we call our wedding management okay. clients or, or in the industry that's known as coordination, month of coordination, day of coordination. So I myself have served with Julie, the six full service and in total about 15 clients this year. Wow. And then we, we do have some part-time team members who are able to also take on their own wedding management clients. So I think as a whole, Envision served about 20 clients and, this year. And it sounds like just a wonderfully exclusive service too. I, I'm like, I'm very curious to, to understand more about it. But when, when we're talking about running a company like this, especially with clients who you're going to the end of the world to serve and, and offer such an exclusive experience, uh, time is a, a massive factor, time that you're giving to your clients. But then the question of time, how much you have of it at the end of the day, at the end of the week, as you're running that business, making sure that you have a bit of time for yourself, time for the important people in your life. And I'm curious, again, to get both your takes on this, but what what do you do on a daily or weekly basis to create a little bit of space for yourself and the important people in your life? Maybe we'll go back to you again, Julie. Well, another thing I remind myself often is that work is always going to be there. It will always be there. And now that it is coming through on our phones on a moment to moment basis, yeah. it is actually always there. <laughs> it is, so, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I have just stopped feeling guilty whenever I take time for myself to go to the gym in the morning mm. to um get my hair done because that has to happen. You know, it's not like I can just put it off. I, you know, things like this actually do have to happen. And if I have to go to the dentist at a certain time of day or whatever it, you know, it's not like I just take entire days off to do things like this, but it, I think that there is a time I, and I'm guilty of it too. Even when I'm on the treadmill and I see a text coming in, Either I can myself choose to look at it and answer it or continue on with my workout, knowing that it's still going to be there when I walk out that door. It's uh, usually a text from me driving her <laughs> some sort of question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it, nothing, very few things that come into our life through text, email, are ever so much of an emergency that you actually have to stop everything that you're doing when you have scheduled a 6am workout. Like that's so, so true. Yes. You can still do these things. It is okay. Um, Do you ever turn notifications off? Because I can imagine the life of a planner and a designer when it it comes to events. I put my phone on do not disturb. Oh, yeah. Mine starts at 630 at night and runs until nine in the morning. Do not disturb. I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I do the same, except I think my notifications start coming in a little bit earlier in the morning. Okay. Now I have also, I, I made the personal decision because normally it's my, my goal that I'm going to be at my desk at my computer every morning by about 9am. Okay. And I am not going to answer any work related emails or texts unless it is actually an emergency. Right. I'm just, I'm not going to answer it until I am sitting at my desk with all the information at my fingertips that I need to be able to answer said whatever, because I'm not in the right frame of mind. If I keep stopping what I'm doing to get to that point, to be in the right frame of mind, everything else is put in a, in a tizzy. So no, it's just, you you do a really good job with that too. You really do. I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, there, there is this sense of urgency that, that it seems like we all have at one, one stage or another where even if it is as simple as just a little text message or a, you know, ding mm-hmm. from the email notification or whatever, it, we, we just, it's almost a, this addictive feeling of we have to go and check and see what that thing is. And the reality, I'm, I'm so glad that you bring this up, Julian. Frankly, it's a good reminder for me again that, that the world's not ending because you just got a notification. It didn't respond in five minutes. It, it right. really is okay. <laughs> you, can, you can go about finishing your workout. In fact, I can very much relate to you because I usually do my workouts in the morning as well. And, and I, there's this kind of thought in the back of my mind, which is, oh, I should double check, make sure there's nothing in Slack for my team. Um, mm-hmm. and, and really, it's okay if, if I finish my workout in 20 minutes and then I go address that thing. It, it, mm-hmm. we, we have to create some separation, create some boundaries for ourselves, or it's just not healthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I found myself, you know, getting sucked into that. Um, okay, let me check this one thing. And then you get you get stuck on it. And then we're 20, 30 minutes down the road. Well, yep. now that's eating into any time that I would have been working out. Well, now I'm just not going to work out because, you know, what's the point? So I'm just going to start getting ready for the day. Right. And then that bleeds into 
just a lifestyle of running on caffeine and then not taking care of yourself. And, you know, it's no, just keep things in order. Just keep doing it the way you need to do it and take care of yourself, which will then allow you to take care of your business. That's so good. Courtney, do you want to add something to that? I'm a bit more in my messages than Julie and I need to get better at that, but it's all a work in progress and it's all an evolution, right? And everything's always in motion. But I would say that something that I do just to try to create time for myself and to prioritize things is I keep a running to-do list. I utilize the app Trello Yes, and I keep at any given moment, I can pull up my Trello on my phone or on my um, computer, and I can see what my workflow for any given day is going to be for the next, usually I do three to four weeks out. So I plug appointments, I plug phone calls, you know, I plugged this, um, this interview, and I then order each individual day from what's most important to what's least important. So the most important things I am trying to knock out in the morning because they may be a little bit more difficult or right. require a little bit more brain power. Or I need to be more focused. Um, and I, those are, you know, I need to get those done. Um, whereas the less important things, if they get moved to the next day's, um, you know, schedule, that's okay. Um, but doing a to-do list and actually going through and being able to remove things off of it really gives me peace of mind yeah. and makes me feel good. It I does. Feel it feels so good. <laughs> you know, and, and I, it's kind of, um, old school, but it really makes me feel accomplished and it allows, you know, sometimes Julie sometimes will be like, Oh, you don't need to finish that tonight. You can, you can get that tomorrow. And while she is right, it for me releases you know, it releases anxiety or it releases pressure or um, just the brain power that if I just stay a little bit longer tonight and finish it, I can go home and enjoy my time at home. Whereas if I maybe don't finish it and I go home, all I'm thinking about is I need to get X, Y, and Z done. Um, So we kind of, we do have um, part of what's helped us be so successful is we do have very different approaches to things, but they really balance each other out and meet in the middle. And so I'm constantly learning and growing from her. And I hope in some instances, Julie, you're (laughs) learning and growing from me too. (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) Well, speaking of learning and growing though, I'm I'm curious also to get from both of you, your favorite self-help book or business book that that you've read in the last two or three years. It's just made a big impact in your lives. Um, Courtney, we'll start with you this time. Well, I used to read self-help books and back in my college days, I really love anything by Malcolm uh, Gladwell. Yes. I know he's got Tipping Point. He's got some other really good books out there. In fact, I think he just came out with a new one and I can't think of what it is. Um, Something about what you're supposed to know about strangers and how you're supposed to like watch and listen to non to the cues of people who don't know you and that you don't know. I'm not sure. I saw yeah, it advertised. Called, yeah. It's called talking to strangers, what we should know about the people we don't know. Yes. And so that, um, that might be making my Christmas list this year because I love all of his work. I also love, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name right, Seth Godin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, um, I think he does a book tribes. Yes. And um, he's got some other fantastic stuff. I love just following him on social media and reading his snippets here, there, and everywhere. So love those two. And then I really love listening to The Wedding Biz. It's a pod, It's another podcast. Okay. And um, I don't know. I really love hearing its stories of how people got started and what they're – basically, it's all the heavy hitters in, in this industry, the who's who of – any particular creative um, that you can think of. And it's usually telling their story. And many times the common thread is they just never gave up. Hmm. They just kept going. And so it's kind of uh, motivational to, to hear that. Is that, is that a podcast by Andy Kushner? It is. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm hitting the subscribe button now. I'm really curious. Highly recommend. And he, he, he does any, any um, one from a floral designer, a venue, a planner, a photographer, musicians. He, he kind of touches all over the board, but it's all in the creative special events industry. That's really great. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check that out. Well, of course, we'll link to that show 
and the books that Courtney just mentioned. For everybody listening in, if you go to Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, we'll have these resources linked in the show notes for this episode. How about yourself, Julie? Well, I am another big fan of the Wedding Biz Podcast. It's really great to hear from people that, you know, I came up in the industry idolizing, really looking up to, you know, these are people who probably have written several books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a very, very um, inspiring to see what work they have put in to make it to where they are. So that's, that's probably my favorite sheer business podcast in terms of if I'm listening to a book, it's probably a biography. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm more of a biography type person. Did you read the Steve Jobs biography? I have not yet. It's been kind of on my my waiting list. It's just kind of sitting there. Michelle Obama was actually, well, that's autobiography, but I really, I did enjoy her book a lot. And then also things like Marie Antoinette, great book. And I have yeah. literally listened to it countless times. There's something about... I think they had a really great narrator or something because it's wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but also it's just a completely different time and how politics worked in that day. Just it's mind mind blowing for me, but, but also pretty much anything about the Enneagram is kind of a good go-to for me because I think it really does help you know how you yourself work and how you need to be aware of others, how they might work either with your, your traits, or if you've identified what other types are around you, then um, how you can work with them best. Uh, There's so many different, I mean, you could, we've become fascinated with Enneagram. Oh yeah. (laughs) Is there a particular resource that you recommend on the topic? To be honest, no, because there's so many, there's just like, I could, Honestly, I I end up searching out a specific episode. Like I'm not looking for an entire podcast to follow. I'm usually looking for what is that specific episode discussing about the Enneagram at that particular time. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit more targeted. Huh, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to go about listening to a podcast too, because I, I don't like to, I'm, I subscribe to a, a limited number of podcasts and frankly, I only tend to listen to you know maybe two or three usually. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the idea of actually going into your podcast app and searching for a particular topic and just listening to an individual episode, I think that's a really great way to go about it. And you get a nice mix of hosts and, and approaches right. to conversation. And uh, I think that's really great. Well, we'll link to these books and, and resources again in the show notes, bookapodcast.com. For everybody listening in, make sure you take advantage of those. Um, And we'll also, of course, have the talking points from today's conversation there in the show notes as well. And speaking of, um, let's go ahead and just dig into this this topic about how to get business uh, or how to ultimately have the opportunity to do business with high-end planners. Uh, You know, the the average wedding photographer is going to be chomping at the bit at these kinds of opportunities. Uh, But I want to, before we talk about how, I'd love to define this phrase high-end because um, it almost really to a laughable extent, at least in the photography industry, we hear this, this phrase a lot and, um, it's convenient. We do too. You do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, we, we hear it thrown around kind of conveniently for the sake of, you know, announcing a workshop or, or a conference mm-hmm. presentation, or maybe a, a core educational course or back in the day, the DVDs or whatever, but it, it's a bit arbitrary in nature. So I'd love for you all to define at least for your business, what this idea of high end even means before we talk about how to, to get business or to do business with, with high end planners. So for us, um, and we use the t- term high end, or even we've used the term high net worth, HNW, yes. because um, the industry does throw the term luxury around here, there, and everywhere. Yes. And before you know it, everyone and their mom who has any sort of you know, creative um, business, oh goodness, they're a luxury XYZ, you know? And so <laughs> it's kind of tainted the word and we... we I appreciate that you're using the term high end because we can't stand the word luxury first and <laughs> foremost. But for us, it it is a client who is looking to have an extension of their lifestyle in their wedding. And whether that is they are appreciative of the arts or they have had the ability to travel either the United States or the world and experience other cultures. And they have a fine appreciation for food and beverage and service. 
um, and really just details. Um, you know, some people will joke that, oh, you know, the details don't matter, but really they actually do because that's where the magic happens. So for our clients, they are usually very family oriented and they understand that experiences mean something and that bringing people together means something. And while they may be used to entertaining in their home on a very um, lovely and grand scale, they want to extend that to their wedding and really treat those around them that they love and care about most. Jokingly in the South, that could be a group of upwards of 600 guests. Wow, yeah. I, now, the average wedding that we do, we're looking at a guest count of closer to 200, 225 guests or so. And they are spending, on average, a little over $1,000 a guest. Wow. And that can, we've seen it go as high as a few thousand dollars per guest. And that is really an experience in which they are able and appreciate to literally bring the best of the best to the table to create a moment and an experience for those that they love. At least the clients that we're working with, they are not looking to hire someone just because of who their name is, or they're not looking to have you know florals dripping from the ceiling because they want to impress dad's partner at work. Those aren't the things that they're looking to do. They're just genuinely looking to have an extension of their everyday life brought to life, you know, on the biggest day of their life. Um, Julie, what else would you want to add to that? No, I think that's a really great way to put it. This is an extension of them. So many times when we start working with a client, um, especially whenever we are building out something either on their own property or possibly something they have very close ties to, uh, usually in a tent. I love meeting these clients in their house because what, how their house is put together, how the, um, the decor is in their house. They probably worked with an architect or an interior designer. It says so much about what, what they choose to surround themselves with and what and it doesn't mean that we're repeating that in their wedding, but it's kind of like, aha, I understand. And it is very much linked to how their wedding day will feel. Yeah, we take a lot of cues from our clients. When they invite us into their home, we're really paying attention to how do they interact with us as they host us. You know, how, like Julie mentioned, how just is their home designed and cared for? Um, you can see a lot about someone and understand a lot by being in their home. Um, but we even watch cues as to how do our clients dress on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. or how are they in, you know, just how do they interact with themselves, you know, their parents or their fiance. And really, if you, if you listen and you watch, you can really learn a lot about your clients and, in turn, that then allows you to serve them better, which then makes them happier. And the whole system, you know, just keeps chugging along. Sure. But I have to, I have to jump in here because I noticed something and, and that is that the, the introduction to this idea of, of a high end client or a high, well, working with a high end client, it, you didn't mention anything about money for the first a good chunk of that that part of the conversation, which was really interesting to me. You eventually got to the fact that they're spending an average of a thousand dollars per guest, which is a, you know it's a mind blowing amount of money. But um, the focus is on culturally and experientially diverse mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. and the experience that they want to create as a result of that diversity. Is, is am I understanding that correctly? Mm -hmm. You are. And recently, actually, this was on an episode of The Wedding Biz, not to keep plugging another <laughs> podcast, but Andy recently had on Carrie Goldberg, okay. who is an editor with Harper's Bazaar and does a lot of bridal work within the Harper's Bazaar print world. And he asked her to define what she thought luxury meant or represented. And Carrie had a great answer on luxury is how something makes you feel. And I, that resonated so much with me and I could not agree with her anymore that really it doesn't necessarily matter what you spend on something per se. Although typically in many cases, if you're receiving a very high level of service and it's, 
you know, making you feel incredible, more than likely there is a premium price tag associated with that. But with that being said, yes, luxury is how things make you feel Hmm. and, you know, what that experience feels like. Um, not necessarily just what what is the price tag associated with this item or thing. Interesting. Okay. Well, that, that's that's kind of a thought provoking uh, answer to the question, and not necessarily <laughs> the direction I would have expected to go. But that's that's quite <laughs> fascinating. But I, you're right. It's I mean, it makes sense now that I have kind of full context that somebody who, first of all, has those life experiences and they want to bring that to the experience of the wedding day or, or of the event, shall we say. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're going to they're they're going to ultimately pay a premium for that type of an experience, which naturally then um, brings that association with the idea of, of being high end. But um, very interesting response. As an example, I know that you know we've got a lot of photographers listening, so they might be thinking, well, how does that translate into what I'm offering and what I'm producing and what I'm creating for my clients as a photographer? And I think it can take a lot of different forms, something that's very tangible. It could mean that they're um, not just designing and offering an album, but as you go through the um, process with your wedding clients, when it's all said and done, you might be designing and installing gallery walls in your client's home because that's a very turnkey service to offer them. And it brings your experience full circle with them. Wow! They don't just get to select images and get them printed through you. And then you drop off the face of the earth and they're left with figuring out, Oh, well, okay, what do I do with this now? Instead, you're, you know, being forward thinking and really offering a premium service that they're, they'll be thrilled to, um, you know, buy that and thrilled to pay a premium for, because again, that's kind of an extension of what their lifestyle is. In many cases, they've worked with an architect, they've worked with an interior designer, they work with people who just handle things for them, and are very competent in what their niche is, or what their art that they bring to the table is. And so, you know, if this is something that you offer to them, they would think that's wonderful, and they can really go all the way with you. So that's just a quick tangible. Well, um, but I, and I love that actually. It's a wonderful example because it, it again highlights the significance of the experience mm-hmm. for for somebody that has the money. It's not necessarily just about the the things. And I mean, Julie, you even highlighted earlier the the benefit of not having all the things. There is something significant to not necessarily minimalist, but an elegant event that that doesn't that doesn't go over the top, um, shall we say, with all, with all the bling, but but that right. maybe focuses more on the overall experience that you're providing to the guests. So this is a really interesting way to, to think about this, but I want to get to the, kind of the practical meat of the conversation for our listeners, which is, you know, they're, they're naturally going to want to work with somebody or a company like your company who is, who is overseeing an event that costs 225, $250, $300,000. Um, but there are not a ton of those out there. How does a photographer go about developing a relationship with a high-end planner and ultimately having the opportunity to to work with them? Are there key points that they should keep in mind? One of the things that I come back to often because we do, you know, we are connected with photographers almost on a daily basis, whether it's through Instagram or email or um, there's so many different ways to you know, find new people, but the best way to connect with planners that you want to be working with is to have a shared experience with them. So we're talking about going to the industry events that the planners that you want to work with, those same events that they are going to so that you have shared experiences with them, it's not it's not a one-time deal. It's not like you can just show up one time and then all of a sudden you have a relationship with mm. them. But you have to be around the same things that these the planners, the coordinators, whoever you are looking to work with, you have to have these shared things. And it's a much more sincere and authentic way to connect with people because you have something shared to actually connect with as opposed to, I've been following you for a year. I'd love to meet you for coffee, which we highly recommend that you don't do. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Okay. Just (laughs) because it comes off, I mean, too obviously pushy or... 
Well, well uh, we have, it, it happens too much. And we do, honestly, we don't have enough time to have as many cups of coffee that are <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. And so, we want you to stand out of, you know, it's kind of like we've joked before photographers and planners. It's kind of like dating. Like mm-hmm. if you're dating someone and you really want to knock them off their feet, you know, you kind of have to do things outside the box. You kind of <laughs> maybe have to pay attention to them and know what makes them tick and yeah. then run with that. Well, again, it goes back to that idea that that um, we talked about at the very beginning. Uh, th- we have to look at what's going on in the marketplace and do the opposite thing. So if, if everybody's mm-hmm. inviting the local planner to coffee, naturally, you don't want to do out. that. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So so starting with a, a shared experience, meaning something as simple as just going to the same networking meeting, do, doing so consistently and, and gradually mm-hmm. getting to know the planner there, that's a great place mm-hmm. to start. Yeah, so starting locally. Um, and then if you're looking to up level from where you are, then you need to start looking at regional, national type of workshops or conferences that you, if you see these, the people that you want to work with, if you see them going to these things, and it's probably something you need to put on your list for, to check out, maybe work into your budget to be a part of in the next six months, year, whatever it might be. Interesting. Okay. So locally and regionally. Now I have to, to, and I want to get your all's take on this because I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to local networking events. Um, I, I would be the first person to want to take you out for coffee, not because it's the thing to do, but just because I would actually want to sit down and have a legitimate conversation that went beyond, here's my business card. My name is, this is the service that I offer. And everybody walks away and forgets about each other. So- I guess we're not so much supporting the no- local networking events because okay. we're definitely on the same page with you when it comes to that. But for example, let's say a planner that you um, have admired their work, you, you know, you'd like to get to know them better. You're aware that they put on a big event for the American Red Cross every year and because you've seen it in their social media. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe you can somehow weasel your way into attending that event or this is going to sound really crazy, but it's actually happened to us before and it's genius. We have had a photographer reach out to us and want to work with us on our team for a wedding day so that they could see what our perspective was, understand how we serve our clients in the moment. Hmm. And she just wanted to be of service. And at first it was, we were almost like shocked, like, oh my gosh, like, would this even work? And then we're like, well, she does, she does weddings. She knows what she's in for. And we did, we, we had her come along and, um, we now consider her a great friend. Wow. Um, shout out Kelly Berry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) she's a photographer based out of Atlanta and we've, um, we haven't had shared a client together just yet, but we have shared some creative opportunities in which, um, we did a webinar with her earlier th- this year. She has a great educational community for photographers okay. called Vero. And so we've had some creative collaborations in that realm, but, you know, seeds were planted and a relationship has blossomed from that. And, you know, at some point, I'm sure we will have a, a an actual booked client together, which um, goes back to the long game point. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Well, and, and um, it, it strikes me too. Kelly's approach to developing a relationship with you all—it it wasn't about just coming in and getting something from you. It, she was actually adding right. value by offering to come along and be part of your team. I can't yes. tell you. You just hit the nail on the head, Nathan. I can't tell you how valuable that is when you reach out to someone and literally ask them for nothing that never happens. So when you do that and we're talking planners, when you do that with a planner, they are literally the, the wind is going to be knocked out of them because they're so accustomed to getting a request for coffee or a request for dinner or Mm. send me, we've actually just had people point blank, say, send me your clients. I like your clients. I want to work with your clients. Please send me one. And that, you know, I don't want to put paint any, um, any photographers in a bad light, but over time that starts to wear on us. Like we feel like we don't exist or, you know, just to provide someone else with work, right. Um, we're here to collaborate and coexist together. So when we have gotten some, um, we've gotten 
some emails and even some little handwritten notes before. It's it's very rare, but we have gotten them where they just say hello. They say that they, you know, noticed us. They maybe say something complimentary. And literally it's like, it's like we're, we can't get to the computer fast enough to look them up and, mm. and d- dig up something about them because it stands out yeah. so much to us. And another thing to think about whenever you are approaching a high-end planner, like Courtney said, I only worked on six with six clients this year. So just think about how protective we are going to be with our clients. If, if that's how focused we are and we're only working with six in a year, then probably an email saying, hey, I, I'd love to introduce myself and would love to work with your clients. Send me one. That's, that's not how we go about doing it because it's so focused. Right. So the relationship is key. I mean, and it's not done over a, a, a cold email. Yeah, that's such a good reminder too. I mean, it, it's so convenient and easy these days, whether it's an email or a DM through Instagram mm-hmm. or otherwise, to just pop off a quick message and not think about how that would come across. So that's, that's the, a great reminder. Those are, those are okay. Like, it's fun to DM someone you've been following with and really identifying with their art on Instagram, right? It's fun to comment and put an emoji or double tap. And those things are all okay. You just can't let it be the end all be all for how Mm -hmm. you go about connecting with a planner. Okay. So we we started with the idea of having a shared experience and, and ultimately looking for opportunities to network, potentially even on a regional level at some of these events. Um, the second big idea that we discussed was looking for opportunity to add value, um, mm-hmm. which really can't be stressed enough. Are there any other significant points here that you want to mention before we, we finish our conversation? I think it's all about, I, again, I'm going to kind of go back to the dating reference, but it's all about creating a lasting impression and building that core relationship and just doing to others as you would want done unto you. I know we get we get a lot, planners seem to get a lot of gifts around the holidays and everyone wants to, you know, send us a box of chocolates or send us a candle. And it's, it's extremely thoughtful and generous of others to think of us in that way. But I can't tell you how, how last year we literally probably had in the dozens of candles in our office. And we were like, <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. Here comes another candle. Yeah. And, and then someone dropped by a photographer who we had not worked with. She was a local photographer. And just at the time, there's mutual, there was mutual admiration there. We had just never had a uh, client together. And she dropped by and she gave Julie an extremely personalized uh, gift with, it was a, um, wasn't it a dish towel with a greyhound on it, Julie? Yes. I I have two greyhounds. I've always had greyhounds in my life, my adult life anyway. And so she knew I had greyhounds. And so she got me uh, a dish towel and Oh gosh, I thought there was something She got else. you an ornament. An, or- an ornament. Julie had done some like a, some a family photo session with her husband and they were incredible photos. And the this gal pulled that photo off of Instagram and put it in an ornament. And it was just like so incredibly thoughtful and then she gave me a bottle of champagne and if anyone follows me at all on social media, they know like I drink champagne like it's water. <laughs> So it was like this incredibly personal moment where yeah. it was like, wow, you really get me, you yeah. know, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything that had to do with the cost of anything. It was just in the approach of, mm-hmm. huh, you get us. Or we had, we had someone last year send us, they know that we travel a lot and they sent us this little box that had like travel face masks and travel eye, eye patches. And again, it was just the thought of like, oh, Wow yeah, you get me, you see me. And, and that's at the end of the day, everyone just wants to be seen and heard yes. and, and feel valued. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I, I would say the last point would be creating a lasting impression by learning how to see somebody or, or to, I, you know, you, you talk about taking the time to develop a relationship. It's not just about having your average conversation, but it's looking for opportunity to better understand somebody on a deeper level. And, and, and if you are going to try to give a gift, you can do so more effectively if you if you pay attention to the details in those conversations. Mm-hmm. And too, I think a lot of photographers, um, depending on where they are in their career, they might think they have to 
have relationships with all the planners and no, you just have to find your tribe. You have to find your one or two people that it's like, wow, we are operating on the same wavelength and this is so cool. And you really get me and I really get you and gosh, you know what? We want to work together as much as we can. And you know, just developing those core relationships and, and finding your tribe and not thinking that here, there and everywhere, everybody has to be, you know, your friend or your person. Interesting. Yeah. So we could almost add that as a, as a fourth point, focus on two mm-hmm. or three key relationships. And I'd certainly found that to be true. I shot weddings for over a decade and, and probably the most important relationship that I had uh, was with a woman named Taylor, who was a local coordinator here in the Chattanooga area. Mm-hmm. And we developed such a close working relationship that she would literally bring clients to my office, bring them in. And instead of me sitting and meeting with the clients where I'm showing them the albums and talking to them about our service and the price points and so forth, I would literally sit there quiet and Taylor would sell for me. And I didn't ask her to do this and we wouldn't plan this. It was just something that naturally came about as we had such a great relationship and she enjoyed working with us. And so she couldn't help but just talk about us. And she literally did that right there and would sell us uh, for us. Um, and, and I wouldn't have to say a word. It was it was a fascinating relationship and I'm still thankful for this for that relationship to this day. But Focus on a a few key relationships. That's so, so important. A great reminder. Well, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I could give any um, photographer looking to work with planners or higher end planners or maybe up level just the events that you are working on right now, um, know that planners don't always hold all of the keys to all of the clients. Um, Some of actually our highest end client that we've ever worked with was a referral from the photographer to us. Wow. They they had booked the photographer first and the photographer was wonderful enough to um, mention our name whenever they asked him for recommendations as who he likes working with in terms of planners. And so, yeah, we, while we love being able to refer our clients to the, the right fit on photography and supporting the people that we love and, know, and their art that they bring to every event, but that's not always the case. So if you want, if there's someone that you want to work with, refer to them, know that it's a two-way street. It is. And and we can't ever minimize. I mean, while obviously the focus of our conversation today is on the relationship with a planner and more specifically a high-end planner, we can't ever minimize really any relationship that we have the opportunity to develop because you never know where that might go. So keeping that in mind, I really appreciate that, that reminder for us, Julie. And um, again, I want to thank both of you for making time amidst um, everything that you have going on. What sounds like just an incredible business. I appreciate you making time for the Boca Podcast community. Will you just share with our listeners, um, Courtney, maybe I'll let you take this, uh, share with our yes. listeners where everybody can follow you all, what you're doing online? Yes. So uh, we can be followed online at Envision Events. That's on Instagram. You can also follow us on Facebook if you play it all over there. We're Envision Events on Facebook. And then our, our website, if anyone has interest in playing around on our website, it's invevents.com. Um, you're also welcome to, we love um, hearing from folks. We love helping others grow and develop. And um, you're welcome to email myself directly. That's Courtney at inv events.com. And I know Julie would love to hear from anyone as well. And that's Julie at inveevents.com. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure and what a delight and a treat to be um, asked onto your show. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Oh, no. And truly it's, and and I know I, our listeners hear me say this quite a bit, but I I mean it as genuinely as I possibly can. It really is a privilege to, first of all, I I respect people's time so much. And so the fact that you're willing to do this out of your busy schedule means a lot, um, that you're also willing to share your experience and advice based on that experience uh, also means a lot. And I appreciate the perspective of somebody other than a photographer or people other than a photographer, uh, as that's how we normally interview. So I appreciate that as well. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Everybody listening in, make sure you go to bocapodcast.com. You can see the show notes for today's episode, um, including the social media and website for Courtney and Julie. And I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>